Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel 19. And David's now in the process of coming back to the throne here, coming back to Jerusalem. And several people come to bring him over to establish him as once again the king of Israel. And David, one of those first people that meets David is a man named Shimei, the man that cursed him. And instead of making his head roll like Abishai wanted, David extended forgiveness. And that's because David had come back to the place where God could use him. He was able to push away the emotions of his heart, the the emotions of wanting to, to grieve. And yes, there is a proper time for that. But he was able to come back and once again be secure in the calling of God on his life. And when we are secure in Christ we're then in a place where we can extend forgiveness. And that's where David has come to. And now the narrative moves on, and we see a couple pictures of great loyalty. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in tonight. Father, I pray that as we look to your word, Lord, I pray that as, as we see these men's uh, examples of loyalty and love for their king, Lord, I pray it would draw us uh, to a, a loyalty and an un, undivided heart, Uh, For our King, the King of Kings, Lord, I pray that it would be uh, fixed towards you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Look with me at verse 24, if you would, of chapter 19. It says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. I don't want to know what he smelled like. But he did this out of honor for his king. This was not something where he didn't take care of himself uh, uh, just because of of that was what he naturally did. He did this out of honor for his king. That if the king was not being well taken care of, he was not going to either. This was to show honor. Verse 25, And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, and I, that I may ride thereon, and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he hath slandered thy servant unto, the lord, unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before the lord, my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that eat at thine own table. What right, therefore, have I, uh, have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king is come again in peace, unto his own house. In this passage, we're going to see some amazing loyalty here. We're going to see the, the, the picture of Mephibosheth, who, is, who has come back into the narrative, as well as even Barzillai, one of the three men that offered sympathy to David when he was in Manahem. And we'll see that in just a moment. But both of their attitudes were of unselfish love that produced a loyalty that was worthy of a king. And tonight in our own lives, as we consider this narrative, we can learn from it that 
uh, that we can have an unselfish love that produces the same kind of loyalty we need in service to the King of Kings. Pride and selfishness will never mesh with love and loyalty to the King. And we're going to see that in these few pictures that we see tonight. Look first at Mephibosheth's loyalty. It desired peace more than possessions. Look at verse 26. He says, And he answered, My Lord, O King, my servant deceived me. Mephibosheth, if you remember, he was the, the lone uh, heir, to the, the, the last surviving heir to the dynasty of Saul. In 2 Samuel 9, we looked at how David showed him kindness. He said that, that, that Ziba and him would divide the land, that Ziba would become uh, a servant to Mephibosheth, uh, his, his master's son, and then, that, then he would uh, grant Mephibosheth the, on, Mephibosheth the honor of sitting at the king's table to eat, uh, an honor that's not, not given to many. And, and now, in 2 Samuel 16, just a couple chapters ago, right at the beginning of the chapter, Ziba takes advantage of that conflict with Absalom to come and, and take away the land that was from, from Mephibosheth. And he, he slanders his master's name. As we look on at verse 26 of chapter 19, Mephibosheth is, is pleading his cause of, 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 say, of, of wanting to clear his name, but not wanting to receive anything from it. He, sa- he answered, My Lord, O King, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon to go to the, and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. Basically what happened was Zebus said, Don't worry, I'll, I'll, get you a, I'll get you a mule. We'll, we'll set you on there because you're lame. Let me go saddle him. And then he took it himself. And, and so he, was, he, he took the, the mule himself that was made ready, and he went and slandered his master to gain his master's land. Deceived, slandered, and stolen from was the position that, that Mephibosheth sat in. And yet, he didn't want any of that to be made right. He said, listen, that's not my one true desire. What was, what was Mephibosheth's one true desire? Look at verse 30. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all. I'm not worried about possessions. I'm not worried about what I have. For as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. And this is, this is an amazing show of loyalty that we can, take, we can learn from. How concerned are you about the possessions that you hold on to? versus the victories of the king of kings how 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 concerned are you about moving his cause forward as we've seen in the book of james uh, really with our riches how concerned are we about moving his cause forward with the possessions that he's given to us versus clenched fists of holding on to our possessions g campbell morgan put it this way for his own enrichment this man cared nothing at all it was everything to him that his king should come into the possession of his kingdom in peace. It is to be feared that too often we are more concerned about our rights than about his. 
It is a great and glorious thing when our loyalty and love make us far more concerned about the victories of our Lord than about our own unquestioned rights. Yet, that should be the normal attitude of all who sit at the king's table. That should be normal. And for a Christian to get back to normal, it should be one who says, it's okay. You can trample all over my rights. You can use me as a doormat, but I am going to serve the king of kings. I am going to have unquestioned love while you trample my unquestioned rights. And that's what makes us ready to be loyal to the king of kings. So we see Mephibosheth's loyalty desired peace more than possessions. As we look on, we get another example of loyalty, and not by accident. We see Barzillai's loyalty desired rest for his king rather than rewards from his king. Look at verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogalim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. That means he's 80 years old at this point. And he wasn't much younger when he came to help David at Manahem. And he had provided the king's sustenance while he lay at Manahem, for he was a very great man. So two things we learn about this man. He's a very old man, and he's a very well-off man. He's a very great man. He's a man of means. And we, hear, we see that Barzillai here in the narrative, he, here he's given to us a great example of a man who used his resources to honor the Lord and to move the Lord's cause forward. And we see that the king wants to give him a, another reward on top of it. At verse 33, And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should, should thy servant be yet a burden unto the Lord the King, my Lord the King? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should, why should the king recompense it, me with such a great with such a reward? And obviously David here was not just trying to reward him for walking with him across the Jordan. David is remembering the, the great show of sympathy back a, a chapter or so of how he met his need and he was loyal to the king back then, showing a great deal of loyalty and bringing him comforts and provisions. But Barzillai is more concerned about his king than he is about rewards. Look at verse 37. This reward is given away to, to one of his sons. He says in verse 37, Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant Chinnam, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chinnam shall go over with me, and I will do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned 
unto his own place. If only that had been the attitudes of all of Israel. Here Barzillai and Mephibosheth are two men that God gives us examples of in Scripture. Right here in this narrative, it pauses and hones in on these two men who had a love and a loyalty for their king because they were unselfish and they didn't worry about their rights. That's the kind of love and loyalty we need towards the king of kings. And as we serve him, as we get to know more of him and who he is, we'll find that he has that, that same attitude. He's the, he, he loves it when we, when we have a, an attitude that's not worried about us or what, what we deserve. But right after these two examples, we get a totally contrasting example that the Lord God gives to us in his word. And, and it's not an not a example of love and loyalty. Rather, it's an example of pride and selfishness that causes a whole ton greater hurt than probably that of Absalom. Look at verse 40 as we see true loyalty should show itself in humility, not high-mindedness. And here, pride and selfishness is, is put on display. Then the king went to, on to Gilgal, and Shinnom went on with him. And the people of Judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away and have brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over Jordan? Now, if you remember with me, the reason why they have this quarrel among them, Judah was very slow in accepting David back as the, as the chosen one, as the king of Israel. They wanted to kind of see what was going on before they spoke anything. And David sent to them and said, Why is it taking so long to, to escort me back to the city of Jerusalem? And so Israel is getting mad that Judah has come up and they're the ones conducting this ceremony that passes him back over. Why, why did they get that honor when they were the last ones to want you back as king? And Israel is getting angry at them. Verse 42, And all the men of Judah answered, the men of Israel, because the king is near of kin to us. Remember, David is of the tribe of? Of what? He is of the tribe of Benjamin, the son of Jesse the lowest of the tribes. And so he is in that area of Judah. That is correct. And so here, he, here they say, uh, they answer the men of Israel, because the king is near of kin to us, wherefore then be ye angry for this matter? He's, he's of us. He, he's of our own people. Have we eaten at all of the king's cost? Or hath he given us any gift? Verse 43. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts in the king. Ten tribes, that is, that, that, that they're saying. And we have also more right in David than ye. Sounds very humble. Not so much. Here they're starting a, a conflict where it doesn't need to be. Why then did ye despise us, that our advice should not be first had in bringing back our king? And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Here we see that pride and selfishness in Israel, the ten tribes there, 
cause an argument that didn't need to even happen. Instead of being humble and saying, you know what? The, the men of Judah could have been humble and said, you know what? You're right. We were slow in, in bringing him back. We, we should have spoken up and we should have brought back. Would you like to lead this ceremony across since you were the ones that trusted him? The men of Israel could have said, you know what? You're part of us too. You know what? You, you took the initiative and got this going. Can we please join you? But instead of that happening, there was pride on both sides. And, and, they, and they butted heads and it caused an argument. And true loyalty shows itself in humility, not high-mindedness, as the Bible tells us. And we'll see in just a moment. But pride and selfishness here laid also the ground for a revolt. And we won't go into the entire passage of Scripture right now, but look at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 20. And there happened to be a man, uh, to be there, a man of Belial. Remember the word Belial means worthless. Uh, a, man, a worthless man, a devilish man, whose name was Sheba, the son of Birchi, uh, Birchi a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we an inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Birchi. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from, the Jordan, from Jordan even to Jerusalem. And we'll look at this revolt next week. But here, this, this pride and selfishness, this is what it causes. It causes fightings and wars among you, as we saw there in, in chapter 4 of James. Where do they come from? Well, come they not hence, even of your own selfish desires and, and your lusts? And, and God doesn't want any of that for his children, much less the children of Israel, to be split. And this, literally, this moment in history that God gives to us, laid the groundwork for later after Solomon for the, the two to be divided later on, a divided kingdom. So what is the application from these pictures for us here tonight? And I'll be reading a couple more passages of Scripture. Feel free to turn there with me if you'd like to. But Romans chapter 12, verse 18, lays out really the first of two things that I believe God wants us to know from this narrative is... Very simple. Don't be high-minded. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And that's pretty straightforward. God wants us to live peaceably with all men, not to try to cause division. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is another passage of Scripture where God deals with this passage he says that in the last days, there's going to be several things coming. And here, one of those things is high-mindedness. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 through 5 says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And that was the, uh, the, it was the, the uh, direction that, that Paul was challenging Timothy right before he, he passed off the scene there under Nero. And God had this message from him. Uh, back then, Paul thought, you know, we're in the last days. And I'm sure all of those things were happening at that point. We see them even, I believe, now more today among, among the people of, of the, this world. And God's saying Christians should not be any part of that. From such, turn away. Don't be high-minded. The second thing that I believe in, we can take in application to this narrative is that we need to seek meekness and humility. We need to seek an attitude that is humble, that is not saying that I should even have rights in this world. I'm, I'm, I eat of the king's table. That's all I need. I, I, am, I am of the service of the king of kings. In Zephaniah, I'll read three last verses here uh, tonight. Zephaniah chapter 2 and verse 3. The beginning of Zephaniah chapter 2, really the whole book of Zephaniah is, is focusing on the root of Jesse, the Messiah. In the beginning of chapter 2, there is a call to repentance in Zephaniah, uh, yeah, Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. And he's, he's challenging them. Seek humility. Seek a strength that is, uh, that is not of your own, that's under Christ's control. Seek humility. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, maybe a more familiar verse to you. For thus saith the high and lofty one that, is inhab- that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Ask yourself for a moment what that verse is saying about Christ himself, about God himself that he is holy, that he is the high and, and lofty one, that he dwells in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. God himself has a humble spirit. Christ himself, when he was here on this earth, did not uh, stand before Pilate and list out his rights. He stood there taking the punishment that we deserved. And, and, and he was led to a cross and, and, and became sin for us. Psalm 51 verse 17 says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's what we need. We need to, need to not be high-minded. We need to turn away from that. And we need to seek meekness and humility. To be high-minded and to be solely, uh, fully controlled uh, with the, the, our rights and, 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 and all of that means that we're standing in contrast to the attitude of our King. May we as believers tonight seek a heart that's full of love and loyalty for our King, just as Mephibosheth and Barzillai did. Uh, a loyalty that's worthy of the King of Kings. Let's pray.